Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited as we are here on the 26th of January 2022 to talk about everything that went down tonight at AEW Dynamite Beach Break from the snowy beaches of Cleveland, Ohio. You know, as far as this show does go, I think it started off really well. The first hour was really good, but the second hour for me kind of dropped off. I know it'll probably do a pretty good rating because a lot of people were intrigued to see what the lights out match was, but I was a little disappointed with the lights out match. If I'm going to be a hundred percent completely honest, I was a little confused. Like I thought the match could have been a lot more, could have been a lot better and didn't need all the outside interference. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and Twitter.com forward slash PWUnlimited. Remember, if you are watching on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below. You can use that donate button to submit a question or something, a question, comment, or concern you want us to read, excuse me, live on the air, or you can donate Twitch bits. Also, remember, you can subscribe here on Twitch one of two different ways. You can either subscribe just like Rosario just did at 11 months with a tier one subscription, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime because if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Whether you're paying Jeff Bezos for Amazon Prime shipping or Amazon Video, Prime Video, you've got a Prime Gaming account. You take the Prime account, take the Twitch account, you link them together, bada bing, bada boom. There you go. But on the flip side, if you're watching over on YouTube, you can help us out over there with a super chat or a super sticker donation. Also remember that you can subscribe to the channel by hitting that join button down below. You get early access to news, early access to podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. And it helps us keep going. It really, really does. Another way to get all of that, but more directly support us is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PW Unlimited. And finally, head over to the Epic Game Store by heading over to the Epic Game Store and purchasing a game, getting V-Bucks for Fortnite, skins for Rocket League, or even claiming the free game. It'll ask you if you got a creator code, and you do. It's PW Unlimited, and that helps us out and doesn't cost you anything extra. Whether you're getting the brand new Rainbow Six Extraction, Grand Theft Auto Five, Guardians of the Galaxy, or more, Gotta put in the code. It's gonna ask you on the left hand side, right hand side, right hand side. You got a code? You do. It's PW Unlimited. But with that, guys, we've got AEW to talk about that kicked off with just a tremendous, great, fantastic tag, uh, not tag title match, ladder match. I was gonna say TNT, and then I said, yeah, whatever. Uh, TNT Championship Ladder Match. This match was fantastic and may have had one of the greatest spots in any ladder match ever ever to say that right now and i believe and maybe someone can correct me with their opinions greatest opening match in dynamite history i think this is the best match to ever open an aew dynamite and i get why i didn't main event because the lights out match has the main event but I didn't even notice them do the whole, the lights go out, 
and then come back on and they go, this is an unsectioned lights out match. I don't even think they did that, to be honest. I, and if they did, I didn't notice it. Because right there towards when that match was starting, the TNT website, or at least the player on the website where I was watching through, <clears throat> started bugging out and uh, pausing on me. So maybe they did do that. The whole lights go out. And then they come back on and go, this is a lights out match. This match is non-sanctioned. It doesn't count towards the show or something like that. Like they may have done that and I just missed it. Again, like I said, the TNT app was bugging out for me on their website or whatever. But this opening match was phenomenal. They shook hands to start it off and neither man could establish an early advantage as they kept the action inside the ring. Both men teased their signature moves early, but their opponents had them scouted. Guevara rolled to the floor and grabbed the first ladder. Cody took him out with a forearm. Cody then made his way up the ramp to pick up an even bigger ladder, bridging it between the ring and the barricade. I thought it was funny, though, the way Cody was setting it up in the barricade. Then he looks at the person in the front and he goes, can you please back up a little bit? Can you just please back up a little bit? I thought that was very funny. So Guevara. Um, Guevara surprised Cody with a pump kick. And send him into the barricade. They fought in the crowd where Guevara hit a cutter on the floor. Guevara picked up another ladder and brought it into the ring. He struck Cody with it and started setting it up. Cody stopped Guevara's ascent up the ladder. And they collided heads leading to a double down spot. They both climbed the ladder. But it wasn't set up in the right spot. Cody was able to kind of try to reach for the belt. Sammy nowhere near. Cody would then superplex Guevara from almost the top of the ladder all the way down, leading to a commercial break. Once back, Cody suplexed Guevara between the inverted ladder, which looked like it hurt like hell. And he then locked Guevara in a figure four around the rungs of the ladder. Cody continued his beat down on Sammy with overhead overhand chops, but Guevara fired up and started to come back with a clothesline. He went for a springboard, but Cody tossed the ladder into his face, like right into his face. Cody then climbed the ladder, and Guevara began to climb one of his own. Cody's climbing. He gets to the top. He's trying to grab the belts. Sammy then climbs up a ladder. Leaps. This, just all of this should not have gone as smoothly as it did. Sammy literally is like three rungs down from the top, maybe two rungs down from the top. And jumps onto the top of the ladder. And almost just trampoline bounces off the top of the ladder over to Cody, grabs him, cutter, boom. I was astonished by how smooth this looked. The way he just jumped, bounced off the top, and grabbed Cody perfectly. One of, if not the greatest ladder spot of all time. And I know some people may go, oh, you can put it in top five, you can put it in top three. Well then, what, what's ahead of it? The edge spear to Jeff Hardy? That's the only thing I can think of that would maybe be ahead of this, to be completely honest. That is the only thing I can think of that you could say was a cooler ladder spot. But if you want to put this cutter above it, I would, just for the pure fact of how smooth it went and Sammy just bouncing off the ladder the way he did. Like, it was... Again, shouldn't have happened the way it did. Shouldn't have happened the way it did. Guevara trapped Cody under a ladder and climbed. 
but Cody powered out and sent Guevara crashing onto the ropes. They fought on separate ladders with Cody hitting a crossroads off the ladder to the mat. Cody climbed and almost reached the belts, but Guevara cut him off and they both hung from the structure before losing their grip and falling to the canvas. On the floor, Cody chopped Guevara's leg between a ladder. This is when Fuego would run out. Fuego would run down and Cody landed a just, holy crap, the way Fuego took this pile driver. Straight pile driver onto Fuego. Fuego's whole body was just stiff as a board when he bounced it. This was great as well. Uh, Guevara then took Cody out with a springboard and a Fosbury flop and then a GTH on the floor, which also looked really good. Guevara placed Cody on a ladder and the, the one Cody had set up earlier bridged from the ring to the barricade. He then set up another ladder, climbed to the top, and did the Jeff Hardy Swanton spot off of it. Back in the ring, Guevara climbed the ladder, but was met by Cody at the top. He traded forearms until Guevara used the belt to send Cody crashing down, grabbing the belts and becoming the undisputed TNT champion. Now, they call him the undisputed TNT champion because there's two belts and this and that. I hope it's just for the one night. They don't need to say undisputed TNT champion every week going forward now. But Sammy Guevara, Cody Rhodes, phenomenal match here. And, and in 2018, people were saying Sammy Guevara is going to be a big star in less than five years. And it has now been 18, 19, 20, 21, 24 years. In four years, and Sammy Guevara is a big star now. A lot of people were saying that back in 2018. This Sammy Guevara kid is going to be a big star in five years. And they were right. All those people that said that were right. <clears throat> Going forward, they said, we do have some beaches here in Cleveland, but it's been snowing, so let's send you to a snowy beach where Tony Schiavone had to go earlier to meet Team Taz. Basically, Hobbs challenged Dante Martin to another match. And Starks challenged Jay Lethal to a match with the FTW Championship on the line. Next up, we had a squash two-on-one handicap match. Wardlow against Elijah Dean and Jake Alexander. Wardlow got a great reaction from the crowd in his hometown of Cleveland. He dispatched both opponents and immediately powerbombed one on the other. Wardlow hit five powerbombs in total. And this lasted like um, maybe two minutes. Maybe, maybe two and a half at the most. And then he stood on top of them and pinned them. Both at the same time. Nothing really to it. Next up, we have the inner circle. Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz. against Daniel Garcia in 2.0. The whole story of this match was, will Santana and Ortiz work with Jericho? Will they work well with Jericho? Or will it just be them and Jericho not really being favored by them? And that, it was the latter. The inner circle held control early on. But there was some dysfunction between Jericho and his partners, which allowed Garcia and company to take advantage. They beat down Ortiz through the commercial break, and Jericho desperately wanted the hot tag. Ortiz tagged in Santana. Ortiz ran wild on all three opponents, and he and Ortiz <clears throat> hit an assisted cutter followed by a powerbomb lariat combination. Jericho hopped down from the apron and took himself just out of the match because more than two or three times they would not tag him in. He reached his hand out. Santana would then throw his hand out and Ortiz would tag Santana. Or he would just be standing there and the other would tag the other. So he's like, screw this. I'm done. You don't want me in here? Okay. Um, 
He then broke up 2.0's finish and hit a Judas effect, though, on Lee. There was an Apollo driver from Santana that did lead to the victory. So, Inner Circle does win, but there's the dissension of, well, what's going on with the Inner Circle, and are they eventually going to break up? Next up, we got a video package, Lance Archer, Jake Roberts, and Hangman Page. I thought this was really good to where Lance Archer goes, two weeks' time in my home state of Texas. I'm going to challenge you in a Texas death match for the title. And so he cuts the hangman, and he's like, you know, he wants to face me in Texas with the title on the line. I said, bring out any challenger, and out came Lance Archer. And then you hear a producer go, uh, by the way, he said this is going to be a Texas death match, and hangman's like, he's, he what? Just like that, he's like, he's like, he, he what? <clears throat> Page then said, well, he'd bring hell. So in the back, Jurassic Express and the Hardy family, no, the Andrade Hardy family office, even though there was no Andrade, were backstage. It was announced that on Rampage this week, Private Party will be challenging the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Christian said everyone was coming for these titles. And Hardy said on Friday, Private Party would become the new champs. So going forward, we had an MJF CM Punk segment that went way too long. And this is kind of when the show started for me to dip down, to be honest. Punk came out already in his gear saying he wanted to fight. He had the crowd chanting MJF saying, hey, chant MJF because they want him to come out and fight me. Not because they like him and it's the first time ever. That he's been cheered for. He then unzips his jacket and goes, yeah, I got this last week as a souvenir. The scarf. He goes, and I thought these would be like expensive or good. And they're not. I looked on Amazon. You can get a pack of five for, or a pack of three for $5. And it's made in New Jersey. So it can't be that strong. He said, but I want to face MJF. And I don't want to wait anymore. Let's do it tonight in Cleveland. MJF would then make his way out. And then just go on to ramble and ramble and ramble way too long. He mocked the crowd as if he was going to wrestle punk, but then said, no, I wouldn't do that in Cleveland. No, I wouldn't do that in Cleveland at all. He said that he'd give punk the match in Chicago though. Next week after MJF beats him, you'll see the real CM punk, the one who loses his smile when he doesn't get what he wants and blames his failures on everybody else, just like LeBron James when he left Cleveland. He said uh, CM Punk was supposed to be here in Cleveland, but seven years ago, he no-showed, which is true. He wrestled the 2014 Royal Rumble and was set to be on Raw the next night and didn't show up in Cleveland. MJF said when he beats Punk, he's going to just cry about it on a podcast. Referencing the uh, Cole Cabana podcast. He then re- Punk then responded with, quote, The best thing I ever did was leave. And the best thing I ever did was come back. These people love me because I get up and I fight. MJF then says something about if, if things don't go your way, you'll just sue. Which I think was in reference to the Cole Cabana lawsuit as well. MJF then brought out FTR and Wardlow. Punk was taken out from behind by Sean Spears. They all beat him down, and Spears whacked him with a chair. MJF then told Wardlow, powerbomb him. Hit him with the powerbomb now. And Wardlow did so on a chair, even though he begrudgingly didn't want to. And MJF sat on top of Punk and said that he'd see him 
in Chicago. So this, this started off really good. But the longer it went, the worse it got. Nick just dragged on. And MJF started rambling for a while. And I started not really listening because he was rambling too much about just random ass shit. And yeah. It, end, it started good and didn't end that favorably. The acclaim called out John Moxley. And this Friday, Anthony Bowens will be facing him one-on-one. You got Griff Garrison and Julia Hart in the back. Was talking about the House of Black when Mark Sterling would show up and say, Hey, Jade Cargill wants to defend the TBS title against you. You accept the match. She said, Of course. He said, Okay, well, because you just got an eye injury, I need you to sign this waiver. Just saying, if the eye gets worse or whatever, we're not liable and Jade's not liable. So, yeah, you just got to sign this waiver because you're still hurt, but you can take the match if you want. So she signed it. Griff Garrison told her not to, and she's like, I do what I want. Next up, we had Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet, and this match was rough. Just botch spot after botch spot, and the crowd didn't care. A disappointing effort in a match that could have been better. And yeah, a lot of just roughness. They fought before the bell, and Red Velvet quickly took Hirsch down with a drop kick and went for the final slice, but Hirsch rolled to the floor and beat Velvet down. Velvet regained control with a knee lift and a cutter over the ropes. She went for a triangle hold, but Hirsch powered out and hit a buckle bomb. Targeted at Hirsch's shoulder through a commercial break. Once back from said break, Hirsch hit a springboard stunner to a co- start a comeback. Followed up with double knees to Hirsch. There's a spear from Red Velvet, and Hirsch countered the final slice with a power bomb and a knee strike that did not even come close to landing because Red Velvet turned take the bump before Layla Hirsch was even near her. And then you hear, I think it's Tony Schiavone. She connected flush with that move. And I'm like, no, she didn't. The camera was literally right in their faces. Well, Red Velvet's face. And she like, my hand is Layla Hirsch. And she went, it was bad. Like she comes at her. Red Velvet turns, starts to fall down. And Layla Hirsch just continues with the move. So bad. So bad. Um... The knee strike had it one, but Layla Hirsch transitioned into an armbar, allowing Red Velvet to break, to get the rope break on the ropes. Then they had some awkward cradle exchanges where it was supposed to look like Red Velvet was rolling her up, and Layla Hirsch was like reversing them into attempted submissions. And then finally, Red Velvet got rolled up with a handful of tights, and Layla Hirsch picks up the victory. After the match, Hirsch jumps. At, at Red Velvet, slaps her and puts on the armbar before Chris Statlander would run down and run off Layla Hirsch. This was not good at all. And the crowd didn't care about this match one iota. Next up, we had a really good promo. Malachi Black and Brody King. They talked about Pac not wanting to join the House of Black and stated that Pac and the Death Triangle will be humbled. Quote, just like death, we are inevitable. And next week, it will be the House of Black against um, Penta and Pac. Then we had Sammy Guevara come out. You hear Sammy's music, Sammy Guevara, Vara, Vara. And him and Fuego walk out and they got the cue cards and they go to commercial. I want to know, if anybody's ever been to an AEW show where they do the Sammy Guevara cue cards, is this just a nothing segment for the fans in, in attendance? Because I would imagine, unless they got this up on the big screen... No one can read them cards unless you're like front row up there by the by the um 
what's it called? By the um the ramp or whatever. That's what I would assume. So eh, I don't know. He just talked about being the champ and he couldn't have done it without all the fans. Going forward, we had a Britt Baker segment that was just fucking insanely stupid and did nothing for no one and anything. This was one of the worst things I've seen on wrestling television in a very long time. Britt Baker comes out. They got all these awards set up that she won in 2021, and she just rambled and rambled and rambled and talked about Baker Mayfield and said the Steelers are better than the Browns and that she's the better Baker and this and that, and then she's, yes, the best female of the year, but she wants to be female of the decade, and she just kept on going and going and going and going, and I would have turned my TV off if I didn't have to watch this show. This would have made me turn the TV off and go, what the fuck is this? Why am I listening to her just a hen clucking, a hen clucking, just this did nothing. It didn't. She didn't say anything about who she's gonna fight next. No one tried to come out and challenge her. There was no huddle, subtle hints of what could be next for Rip Baker. It was just I did this and this and this. And oh, the Steelers did this to the Browns and Baker Mayfield threw a bunch of interceptions and there was nine turnovers and this was just freaking garbage, horrible, awful. We don't need segments like this. And if you're going to do a segment like this, keep it to like two minutes in the freaking back. This was not needed. It was a time filler and it was just so bad. Dumb. <clears throat> Got lineups for the next couple of shows. This Friday, John Moxley takes on Anthony Bowens. FTR takes on Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. The TBS title will be on the line when Jade Cargill defends against Julia Hart. And the AEW Tag Team titles will be on the line when the Lucha Express, no, Jurassic Express, challenge, get challenged by Private Party. Also next week on Dynamite from Chicago, CM Punk versus MJF, and the House of Black versus Death Triangles, Pac, and Penta. And in the middle of all this, you start to hear Vicky. Excuse me! Excuse me! And then Nyla Rose takes the mic and goes, I should be the TBS champion, but there's one reason I'm not. And and I can't remember who it was on commentary, but someone goes, why? Because he lost in the tournament? And she goes, because of Ruby Soho. And I want Ruby Soho. So I guess next week we'll probably get Ruby versus Nyla, but that wasn't announced. Then we had the unsanctioned lights out match, Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole. And to be honest, the match itself, I expected more. I expected way, way, way more from this match. We didn't need all the outside interference. It just, it didn't need to be. So, I, I want, let's just talk about it. Dan Housen appeared in this match. This is a big red flag for me because I'm like, oh, okay. Not at first. I'm like, ooh, Dan Housen. Not a fan as far as the comedy he does. But respect him, you know, in the ring and all that stuff. Just like Orange Cassidy. Not a fan of the kicks. 
and all that stuff, the comedy Orange Cassidy does, but I respect him in the ring. I think Orange Cassidy is great in the ring. I think Dan Housen is very respectable in the ring. But, so he shows up in this match, and he has a little stare down with Adam Cole, and then disappears. And then Tony Khan takes to Twitter to announce, and let me pull this up. Dan Housen is all elite. Yes, this fucking guy will sign anyone. He will sign anyone. No offense to Dan Housen, but he will sign anyone. I don't understand. I get if you're like an ROH or an Impact or something. And and a lot of people are going to go, well, remember when they signed Orange Cassidy and everyone said Orange Cassidy wouldn't work on national television? Well, look at that. That's different. Orange Cassidy is a great wrestler. Orange Cassidy is fantastic in the ring. Yes, he's got his little comedy thing that has gotten over. But it's different. Dan Housen's comedy is not the same as Orange Cassidy's comedy. And to me, this is a big no-no. Yeah, he can sign whoever he wants. He's the president of the company. But you're just signing people to sign people at this point now. And this is, no. Like, again, no offense to Dan Housen. But this is not a good signing by this company, especially when you have so many good people on your roster that don't get used, that don't get seen most weeks. And you're going to bring in somebody like a Dan Housen for what? How often are we going to see him? Is he on one of these Leo Rush, freaking Tony Nese five-month deals? I just, I, I don't know. Okay, Ballard, if you're calling him the new Crazy Steve, then you don't know what Crazy Steve was. He's uh, not anything close to Crazy Steve. To compare Dan Housen to Crazy Steve is disrespectful to Crazy Steve and what he did back in the day in TNA Impact when he was teaming with Abyss and whatnot. So again, to try to compare Crazy Steve to Dan Housen, don't disrespect Crazy Steve like that at all. But regardless, this match, I thought, could have been better. I thought this match could have been a lot better. But anyways, they immediately traded right hands. Out on the floor, Orange Cassidy sent Cole into the barricade and hit a hands-in-pocket shotgun dropkick. Cole returned the favor. He went under the ring to pick up a chair, and that is when Dan Housen came out. Dan Housen was holding onto the chair. Adam Cole drug him out. Dan Housen stood up, pointed, kind of like a Hulk Hogan point, at Adam Cole, and then kind of disappeared. Norton took him out with DDT. Very odd. Don't know why this needed to happen in this match, but it did. And they announced, Dan Housen is all elite. Both men were kind of perplexed here, and it allowed Cole to hit a pump kick through a chair. Cole wanted the Santa Panama Sunrise, but Orange countered it and put Cole through the timekeeper's table with a spine buster. He tried to follow it up with the Orange Punch, but Cole got the ring bell to block it. Cole continued to target Orange's hand through the commercial break. During the break, Orange brought himself some, spot himself some space using a fire extinguisher. He jockeyed for position with a chain at one point because Orange Cassidy hurt his hand hitting the, the timekeeper's bell. And so he thought, you know, 
chain. Give me a little more strength on that. <clears throat> tried to put uh, Cole tried to put Orange through some chairs, but Orange countered with a stunner and a Michinoku driver through the chairs for a two. Orange's hand was bloody at this point. Orange ran into a super kick, and Cole called for backup. Went out, would run Brandon Cutler, and this is when things just went to hell. Brandon Cutler runs out. He's got the spray, and he's jumping up and down. Yeah, yeah, and he gets attacked behind from Wheeler Yuta. And right as Wheeler Yuta runs out, boom, you see Bobby Fish just standing there awaiting his turn. Bobby Fish then runs out. As Bobby Fish is standing, is running out to attack Wheeler Yuta, you already see Chuck. Chuck Taylor's over there standing, waiting for his turn. Then he runs down. And the Young Bucks run out. They super kick Chuck Taylor before they get attacked by Rapongi Vice. No Kyle O'Reilly, though. No Kyle O'Reilly. Rapongi Vice and the Bucks start fighting. Orange then hit the beach break in the ring and an orange punch, but could not go for the pin. He was in too much pain. Colvin hit a lone blow on Orange, and Orange revealed that he's wearing a cup with thumbtacks on it. Orange then hit a Panama Sunrise for a good near fall. He wrapped the chain around his hand again, but Cole escaped the Orange Punch. Cole retreated to the backstage area of the, the go positions they had to tell us about 10 times. And he grabbed Jerry Lynn and threw Jerry Lynn in front of him to cause a distraction and block Orange Cassidy before the two would go through a table and knock over everything, breaking TV monitors and whatnot. Back on the stage, Cole landed another super kick. He wanted to lower the boom, but Orange hit a super kick of his own and called for the chain-assisted Orange punch. Cole countered with a straight right on a strike from a light, uh, stage light. Cole then climbed up on the entranceway, and when he got up there, he looked down and goes, where is he? Where's Orange Cassidy? Well, Orange Cassidy followed him up. And then in a stupid spot, Orange Cassidy hugs Adam Cole. So Orange Cassidy's hugging Adam Cole, and you can see he's not even squeezing him. He just barely got his arms around him. And Adam Cole's going, I can't get out. I can't get out. And then the two fall off the top of the, the entranceway. They crash through the platform. Orange Cassidy lands on top of... Um, Orange Cassidy lands on top of Adam Cole, and the referee counts one, two, three with Orange Cassidy picking up the victory. This match didn't do much for me. I could take it or leave it, to be honest. I really could. I really could take this match or leave it. This match just really didn't do anything for me. And remember, match does not count in the rankings because it's unsanctioned. Lights out match. So Adam Cole should still be ranked number one. But with that, that was AEW Dynamite Beach Break. It was an all right show. First hour, really good. Second hour, kind of lame. Well, maybe lame's the wrong word to use, but not all that great. I know a lot of people were really on Twitter praising that main event, but it was, to me, it started off good, and then there, all the stuff with like everyone coming out and this and that, and it was just set up bad because, like, where the camera was, it was looking right up the ramp, and you can see everyone just standing, waiting for their spot. One guy gets attacked, you see someone just move up in the line and then run out, and the next person moves up and then runs right out. It was meh, meh. Good to see Rocky and COVID didn't do, didn't do any harm to him, so we're good there, but whatever. 
Again, a show that opened up just fantastically strong. And then for me, kind of closed on a, not a sour note or anything, but it was just a match that didn't really feel special, to be completely honest. But with that, now you know what I think of tonight's Dynamite. Now it's time to figure out what you guys thought of tonight's AEW Dynamite. Remember, you can hit that donate button on Twitch. You put in your comment concern. You put a super chat in the YouTube chat, or you can text in to 510-906-1341. But before we get to that, gotta check the polls. As far as the Twitch poll does go, view results. All of you guys liked it. 100% liked the show. As far as the Twitter poll does go. If I can get it to load. Sixty-eight percent liked tonight's dynamite. Twenty-four percent thought it was just all right, and seven percent did not like dynamite. And as far as the YouTube poll does go, seventy percent liked it, twenty percent thought it was all right, and nine percent did not like dynamite. Now, as we look at the text messages here, <clears throat> um, who says thoughts on Sammy Guevara becoming the undisputed TNT champion? I think it was the move. I think it was the right move. I said it last week. I think Sammy wins. Sammy won. Sammy's great. Chris says, you think MJF should win his match to build up him up against Hangman for the world championship? I think whoever wins this match, whether it's MJF or CM Punk, should be the next one after Lance Archer to challenge for that belt. I would go MJF, but I wouldn't be disappointed either way. Um, Versus says, do you think it's weird AEW keeps hosting beach break midwinter instead of in the summer? Well, it doesn't matter when they host it. It would just host it in Florida. Host it in California where there's a real beach and sunshine. Not where it's snowing. That's the only issue with it. You can host beach break any time of the year. Just don't host it in a city that's going to be full of snow. says, you think the inner circle has run its course? Probably, yeah. I mean, Sammy Guevara's been off of inner circle for a while. Chris says, with a huge victory over Adam Cole tonight, is Orange Cassidy a future contender for a shot? No, because it doesn't count for the rankings. This doesn't count when it comes to rankings and getting a title shot and moving up that ladder. Chris says, I liked AEW Beach Break tonight. Do you see Thunder Rosa challenging for the AEW Women's Championship next? Yes. And they had a missed, very big missed opportunity here tonight. Because Britt Baker was in there talking about all her, all her awards. Most improved. Female Wrestler of the Year. Match of the Year. Who was that match of the year with? Oh, Thunder Rosa. So when she says, I also, she should have said, I also won for Match of the Year. That's when Thunder Rosa could have come out and said, Hey, Chica. Who was that match with, though? You could not have won match of the year if it wasn't also for me being in that match against you. Now, I want to challenge you for the AEW Women's Championship. I think that should have happened tonight. Thunder Rosa should have come out and made that challenge saying, hey, you wouldn't have won that award for match of the year if it wasn't for me being in that match with you. So with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And 
twitter.com forward slash PW Unlimited. Do it that, guys. Have a great night. I'll be back on Friday for SmackDown, then Saturday for the Royal Rumble. So have a great night, guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time.